Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm really happy to be joined tonight here at the Reader House Author Roundtable by author Lori Noel. Lori, thank you so much for being here. Hi, it's very fun and an honor to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you. I wanted to congratulate you. You got a new book out in stores called The Twins and Kitty Pumpkin, Born Free and Equal. Can you tell me about it? Yes, this is the first in a series. There will be about 10 books in the series of children's books all about human rights based on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And they are poems with rhyme and rhythm on beautifully illustrated pages with adventures of the twins and their cat, Kitty Pumpkin. Hmm. Like quite fun adventures as the books develop into greater and wilder adventures as we go along. It will help children and adults alike who might be reading these books to their children to learn all their rights. There are many that we don't know about. Hmm. How did the idea for this come about? Well, somewhere I got a hold of a copy. of Someone had taken the 30 articles written by the UN in 1948 as spearheaded by Eleanor Roosevelt, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I got a hold of something that listed them and what the rights are, and I went, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I've written poetry my whole life, and something that struck me as very powerful was the rhyme and rhythm of the poetry of the Dr. Seuss books that I used to read to my children. Mm. And some of those rhymes stick with me to this day. And I thought, well, what if we put these rights into that kind of rhyme and rhythm and had colorful illustrations and these got read to children? Maybe human rights could take a new evolution up to a, a greater stage of being applied. Mm. That was my, I don't know, it was kind of my inspiration. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No. I've written poems, you know, about specific little things, and I'm starting to write a science fiction. I'm only a few chapters into it, Mm. but I love writing. I love poetry. I love photography, but this is my first book. Mm. Congratulations. Did it take you a long time to do? No. The poetry comes easy to me. The first one was pretty fast to write. Of course, I've done a lot of editing and perfecting. Mm. I'm finding now there's a lot of concepts to put into something a child can understand in poetry form. It's difficult now. I'm I'm about to write book seven, getting a large way through, two-thirds of the way through all the rights. And you just, oh my goodness, to translate this adult concept into something simple and a story for children in poetry. Oh, challenging, (laughs) but it's Mm. fun. Oh, wow. I could imagine. Very fun. There's nothing like seeing that finished product and holding it in your hand. So what was it like when you got the first hard copy of the Twins and Kitty Pumpkin in? I think I had tears in my eyes. Mm. Basically, at that point, it was a year of labor and love to get the actual book in my hand and almost ready to go, the proof copy. So it's almost ready to go out and be published and go to the world. It was, I had goosebumps. (laughs) It was very a wonderful feeling. Mm. A lot of people listening right now are authors who are just starting out as well. So, Lori, what's your advice that you could give them? I believe that if you have a passion and you're good at something, no matter what, you want others to learn this or be inspired by things that have inspired you, 
behooves you to write about it. Just pick up the laptop or whatever and start writing, even or if it's just pen and paper, and you can get it and whip it into a shape or form that others would enjoy and others would get something out of. And then you just learn each step as you go and get it published and market it. And it is so rewarding. I have done many things, mostly with you know small business startups and running and things like that. And I'm also a realtor. But I finally found like this is really my purpose. I have a great purpose to enlighten and inspire. And these human rights, if they were fully in practice, would change the world. Find your purpose. Find a way you can make a difference and contribute and give back. And it is one of the most rewarding things you can do. Hmm. Yeah. Lori, how do you get past those times when the writing gets challenging? And maybe you hit one of those times whenever you're trying to put these adult concepts into terms that children would be able to understand. Or maybe you just get writer's block. How do you get past that? Oh, I'll go into my garden, <laughs> walk around and pull a couple of weeds, mm. just sort of get my tension out and then come back. And I can often just pick it up. I will go to a thesaurus sometimes. Mm. Often I will use a thesaurus or a, a, a rhyme chinary and things come together. Or, or else I outline the concept that I'm trying to simplify. Just write whatever comes, no matter how silly, and then it'll evolve and you edit it and it gets better. I encourage my listeners to check out this book. The title is The Twins and Kitty Pumpkin, Born Free and Equal. It's written by Lori Noel, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere. Grab it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Lori, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for chatting with me tonight. Thank you very much, Corey. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. We are talking theology and baseball here at the Reader House Author Roundtable with author Dan Flanagan. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. You have a new book out in stores called A Theologian and a Baseball Fan. What could go wrong? Can you tell me about this book? Well, it really comes from an interface with some careers that I've been involved with. Unlike a lot of people, I've had several different careers. I've always loved baseball. My first introduction to baseball came when my family moved from Nebraska to California. And in our fourth grade class, a man came in and introduced himself and tried to recruit players to his baseball team. Well, I didn't know much about baseball at that time, but I took up the challenge. I've loved baseball all of my life. From that point in the fourth grade, I played baseball through my college career. My real interest in baseball and Major League Baseball particularly came when I had the opportunity to be the sports director of a radio station in Dallas and Fort Worth. I was a host of a sports talk show, and the station, WBAP, was the flagship for the Texas Rangers and for the Dallas Mavericks. So during the summer when baseball season was on, I had all sorts of opportunities to be at the ballpark, to watch the games, to interview players, not only the Rangers, but the players that came in to play them here. So I really gained an appreciation for the game that I had not had prior to that while I was involved with that sports talk show and being at that station. The other part, the other part of my careers that folds into this book is the fact that I've been a pastor for about 40 years as well. So the theological side comes from that and an interest in scripture and theological issues as well. So it came that the more I got involved with theology, 
and my love for baseball, I began to look at both of them and say, well, you know, there's a similarity between the two of them in terms of themes of each of those. And so this book actually came out of my effort to present a class in theology of baseball in my present position. Hmm. And I did a manuscript at that time about theology and baseball. And I handed that manuscript to my senior pastor here and I said, would you mind reading this and give me some feedback, you know, before the class starts? And he did. And he came back to me and he said, I really like this and I think you ought to consider publishing it. Hmm. (laughs) That's where it all began. Is this the first time you've been published, Dan? It is the first book publication, but I've published about 65 different academic journals, articles as well. Part of my career background is in higher education, so that's where most of those come from. Hmm. Would you say you're writing for Christians who are also baseball fans here? Yes. (laughs) What I was hoping to happen with this is to get people who might be interested in one side or the other that would help to improve their interest, shall we say, increase their interest in the other side. So if they were a baseball fan but had really no knowledge of or interest in faith, Christianity, Judaism, whatever, that maybe seeing this intersection between the two of them as a baseball fan, they might become more interested in faith. Same thing is true with people of faith who may not have an interest in baseball. And I, I have friends that way who you know, are large people of faith, but they really had no interest not only in baseball but sports. But I was hoping that by doing this book that it might help them also to see, you know, there's some worthwhileness in sports and especially in baseball. Mm. And what advice would you have for authors who have also never published before and they're looking to get out there? What would you say? Well, if they're interested in publishing, I would say don't give up. Mm. It's a pretty crowded field. I know that. It's not going to be very rewarding in terms of financial rewards if that's what you're looking for. I have to say that my main motivation here was much more than financial rewards. I'm not even sure what that's going to be. But I do know that I'm passionate about the topics involved here, both baseball and theology. And it was a great reward eternally, internally, emotionally, I would say, by doing this project. I'm glad I did it. Hmm. I love that you brought these two themes together, and I think a lot of readers are going to love this book, too. It's titled, A Theologian and a Baseball Fan. What Could Go Wrong? This is written by Dan Flanagan, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can find this everywhere. Jump online, get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. What's been great talking with you here tonight, Dan. Thank you so much for joining me and telling me all about your book. Well, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it very much. Does God really listen to us when we cry out to him in our darkest times? Well, author Sheila Malsom explores this in her new book, Growing Through the Storm. Sheila's right here with me now to talk all about it. Sheila, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you, Corey. I am honored to get to speak with you. I really appreciate you talking with me here. Can you tell me all about your book, Growing Through the Storm? Yes, it is a story of triumphs and lessons I learned while facing a struggle that grew my faith in the Lord, which for me was battling not one but two troubled marriages. Mm. One of the lessons I learned was to stop holding on to lies and attachments that were keeping me from God and keeping me from what God had in store. What persuaded you to sit down and write your story and tell it to the world? The passion and the hunger I developed 20 years ago to share with others the lessons I learned after my awakening. Hmm. The experience changed my perspective about God and about life in general, and I truly felt called to share my story to be a help to others. Did this take you a long time to write? Yes. Hmm. It took me 10 plus years. 
I wrote most of my book while I was a single mom working a full-time job, mm. which meant limited time for my writing as my son and my daughter were a priority. And the other reason it took so long was I didn't have the ending I was looking for. The storm drug on for years and I wanted to have the right ending. And then lastly, my story involves real life experiences. So I had to be careful with what I shared and how I shared it to still make my point. Mm. Have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever written a book before or been published before this? No, this was actually my first publication. I've always enjoyed writing as a young girl, but no, I've never published a book before. Mm. What was it like then after everything you went through and then after the years of writing this and putting it through the publishing process, when you finally got the first physical hard copy of this, got to hold it in your hands, Sheila, what was that moment like? For me, it was empowering because it's hard to write a book. And I actually did this. And I felt honored that God chose me someone so insignificant to write a story to teach others. Have you thought about writing more and publishing more in the future? Yes. Yes. Actually, I have several introductions started for more books about other events that have taken place in my life that others will be able to relate to. I'm planning a sequel to Growing Through the Storm, and I'm planning to write a devotional. And hopefully, it won't take as long as it took my first book. I'd assume that you'd learned a lot along the way of publishing your first book, Sheila. So what words of advice would you have for authors who are in the same spot? They're just starting out. It's a long process, Hmm. but don't give up. And if you feel that God is calling you to write then write. You never know how you might impact someone else's life or what blessings God may bring forth from sharing your story. Hmm. And keep God the center of it, of course. Sheila, when you go to write, do you have a certain time of day or a certain place that you go, or do you find yourself writing as you feel the words coming to you? Actually, I sit down and find a quiet place to focus when I want to write, when I feel encouraged that this is a good time to write, and then I, I prep myself with a prayer to invite the Holy Spirit for guidance. Mm. And I actually do a lot of writing after reading a devotional, listening to a podcast, or hearing a song that resonates with my circumstance. So much of my writing does come from pages that I journal that initially they're written from my eyes only. Mm. So I, I do spend a lot of time in prayer before I sit down to write. And when I feel the Lord is calling me to sit down and share an experience, That's when I do my best writing. Well, I really know a lot of people are going to be helped out and encouraged by this book. It's called Growing Through the Storm. It's written by Sheila Malsom, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere, online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sheila, it's been a pleasure speaking with you here tonight. Thank you again for joining me. Thanks so much, Corey. The Gatekeeper, What God Created the Man to Be. It's the name of the new book in stores right now, written by Dr. Jerry Tallow, and he's sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate you having me. It's great to be talking with you today. Can you tell me all about The Gatekeeper? What's the book all about? So it's really driven by my worldview that developed my life message from four decades in ministry that basically this, the particular spiritual DNA that God put into Adam 
as the male species at creation that determine what he was destined to be and do is at the core of this book. And so God made him to be the gatekeeper of the Garden of Eden, which meant to work and guard it, which means that he was supposed to protect it and make it prosperous. And the book discusses that whole philosophy and how it transfers to the man and his family. At the fall, that DNA was marred when the serpent showed up. Jesus Christ restored it. And so the book talks about the worldview of a man as the gatekeeper to his household today, regardless of what condition the home is in, what it looks like in society today, and how men can walk it out in modern culture. Hmm. Who are you writing this book for, Jerry? What kinds of readers do you think would be into it the most? Well, obviously men, starting in their teens. I'm not a huge fan of adolescent. Kind of lean toward the worldview that even a late teen can be a young man. Young men in their 20s and 30s and 40s, whether they're single or married, this is for them. It's for their spouses. It's for their girlfriends who want a noble husband and father. It's for grandparents or parents of older sons who want to show their boys what the scripture teaches they were made to be. So it's not so much about manhood, it's about the man's real DNA. It's for older dads who have wayward kids that can win them back. I would say it's for my fellow pastors that want to call their men up to nobility. Jerry, you said this is the product of decades in the ministry. Did this take you a long time then to write and publish? I would say the whole process, of course, it's my first book, other than a dissertation I wrote, that was a different animal. So I would say the whole process with the publisher, beginning to end, including all my writing, was, I don't know, 12 to 18 months, something like that. I'd assume you learned quite a bit writing and publishing The Gatekeeper. What advice would you have to authors who are just starting out? (laughs) Well, I would say, and this may sound a little strange, make sure that you understand the principles of communication and the English language. You have to believe in your subject matter. You have to own it. And you have to put the time in to do credible research with credible sources. I mean, if you looked at my book and read it, my source is the scriptures. I worked hard not to veer from that. I consider it the most credible source there is. And I would say this, I've been writing a long time. You write in small chunks, right, Corey? You eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's right so to speak. So I would say, you know, take a goal of five pages at a time, get it done, go to the next five or 10 at a time and write five days a week, pick a time you're going to write and stick to it. Basic discipline, nothing complicated, basic discipline. Mm. There's a lot of time and a lot of hard work that goes into this kind of thing. So what was it like for you, Jerry, whenever you got the first hard copy of The Gatekeeper and got to hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time? What was that moment like for you? I mean, it was a bit surreal. There was tremendous gratitude because of what God had done and, you know, everyone that supported me in it. There was excitement. And I mean, I think I was inspired to keep writing. And I think readers will get a lot out of this book. It's titled, The Gatekeeper, What God Created the Man to Be. This is written by Dr. Jerry Tallow, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere. Jump online, grab it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, 
You can also get it down the street at your local bookstore. Jerry, it's been really fantastic speaking with you here tonight. Thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Coretta McGlashan. Coretta, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, it's really great to have you here on the show, Coretta. I wanted to congratulate you on having your new book out in stores called Extraordinary Goose Once a Waddle. Can you tell me all about it? Well, this book is all about characteristic traits and morals, and it's a fun, enthusiastic book. It's all about bringing out the gifts and the talents that's inside of you and not searching for it through someone else's eyes knowing that each and every one is special in their own unique way. I am very, very ecstatic about this book. Well, that's wonderful. What sorts of readers did you have in mind when you wrote this? More so the young and the young at heart. We all tend to have a little childhood inside of us. It doesn't matter our age group. Mm -hmm. It's more for elementary and There are some moral lessons inside of it for middle school, high schoolers, and even us who are adults. Sometimes we overlook the inner abilities that we each establish within ourselves, and we miss the mark that God has given each and every one of us to to come and shine. Hmm. This book really gives that pointer that, hey, I don't need to see myself through someone else's eyes. I can make a mark in this world alone just to be special and to use my gifts for the positive. I love it. Coretta, where did the idea for this come from? I started writing when I was younger, much, much younger. My mom, when she was alive, she always encouraged me to try my best to give a mark on someone else. My parents were pastors Hmm. and we always had children all around us. So growing up, it was very impressed on us to be positive and to also let our talents be used for the glory of God or just to let it be used for good. And so it grew with me as I grew up. Did it take you a long time to do, to write, and then get published? No, it did not. It did not. Like I said, I always write when I was from when I was younger. And during COVID, when COVID hit, I was like, you know what? I'm home. I'm an educator right now. I had extra time, and it took me literally two months to finish the book. Is this the first time, then, you've done anything in the way of publishing? Yes. I have published at a private school that I was teaching. I published small manuscripts for our curriculum and for our substitute plan for substitutes that would come in and cover for teachers who were absent or taken leave of absence. But this is my first authored published material, and I am very happy about it. Well, congratulations. That is something to be really happy about. Coretta, what was that moment like when you got the first hard copy in your hands and you got to hold it? What was that like for you? Oh, my goodness. It was sparkles. It was butterflies. It was (laughs) tears. It was mixed feelings because I wanted to share that moment with my mom. And fortunately, she's not with us here any longer. So it was a bittersweet moment. Yes, but I got to share it with my father. 
at least one of them was here to enjoy that moment. So that's the greatest part about it. That's wonderful. Coretta, what advice would you have to our listeners who are authors just starting out? Research. Research, research, research. Mm. Fortunately, I had some great influences and mentors in my life. They're also publishers and editors. So I would say don't give up. It gets frustrating because I went over my manuscript like 20 times or more Mm. just to ensure that I was putting out something that lasting, meaningful, and something that will make a difference in our young people today and even the young at heart. And so I would say strive to be your best, your best. That's great advice. Thank you. Well, I think a lot of my listeners would really enjoy this book. The title is Extraordinary Goose, Once a Waddle. It's written by Coretta McGlashan, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere, online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Coretta, thank you for joining me here again tonight. I had a really nice time finding out about Extraordinary Goose, Once a Waddle, and hope we can talk again soon. Sure. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. A 13,000-mile solo motorcycle journey around the United States led the man I'm talking to now to write his new book, Full Throttle Leadership, Passion, Power, and Purpose on the Edge of America. His name is Stephen G. Foster, and I have the honor of speaking with him right now. Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, Stephen. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. Can you tell me all about your book, Full Throttle Leadership? Absolutely. Well, the book is really, it's a little bit autobiographical, but mostly it's a book about a motorcycle ride that I took in 2013 around the perimeter of the United States to support military veterans, Gold Star families, which is my cause. But it's really a book about leadership lessons, lessons learned as an entrepreneur, lessons learned as a team member, lessons learned as someone who owns his own company and hires and works with team members. So it's a book about leadership. It's a book about a biker bucket list. And uh, hopefully it's a book that everyone will enjoy, whether you ride motorcycles or not. That's fantastic. What gave you the idea to sit down and write this book to tell about your journey and then apply the leadership principles? Well, you know, I get asked that question a lot. and, And the truth of the matter is, I never intended to write a book about it. This was not planned to promote me. It was, as I said, it was originally planned, and the spirit of the ride was to hit the road with some friends, military veterans, family members, and ride the perimeter of the United States, which few people have done, and then raise some funds, contribute to a cause that's near and dear to our heart. It turned out to be a solo motorcycle ride quite by accident, and because of that, I had more time to veer off course and spend time with some amazing folks that I met by accident and on purpose. And I blogged every day, and I had friends and colleagues, and I'm a speaker by trade. And so, of course, naturally, everyone said, well, you know, you need to make this a book. I felt like I I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about our country, and I wanted it to be about service and sacrifice and never forgetting the great freedoms that we have. So it took me a little while. I like to say (laughs) it took me uh, about three months to write it, but about four and a half years to figure out I wanted to write it. But I'm I'm glad I did, and the response has been overwhelming, so I'm pleased with that. Is this your first time then writing or publishing? 
It was my very first book, absolutely. Oh, congratulations. What was it like then, that day you got the first physical copy and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? What was that like? Well, I was pretty pumped up. I, I can't lie. Mm. It had been such a long journey from, you know, even going back to planning the ride itself to executing the ride and getting home and processing all the information and the experiences. But that was a proud day for me as a speaker. I, for the speakers bureaus that I work with and my good friend, Betty Garrett, who has been on me for years to write a book. It was a little bit of an aha moment to say, I did it. It's done. You don't have to bug me anymore about writing the book, but it's, it's certainly an accomplishment that I'm proud of. And I'm mostly proud that it has allowed that ride to continue. It has allowed people to continue to contribute to veterans' causes and to remind people that we still have men and women who wear the uniform of our country who are still in harm's way all over the world. And so it's just, it's just a reminder that the ride doesn't stop. It continues, and we all have opportunities to contribute. Well, Stephen, I really admire uh, everything that you're working towards here, and you certainly have my gratitude. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That, that's gratitude that I don't deserve. It goes to our veterans, and our military families, and as I said, everybody has an opportunity to do something every day. It doesn't have to be large. You don't have to do a solo motorcycle ride around the country to say thank you to a veteran, to remember them on Memorial Day, which just passed, Veterans Day, Armed Forces Day. You know, if you see a veteran, go up and say thank you for your service. That sounds small, but I have to tell you, it's not. It's a big thing because we have a whole generation of Vietnam veterans that didn't get thank yous. I, I'm purposeful about looking for Vietnam veterans and saying, welcome home. Thank you for your service. It, it means a lot. And we owe them that. Absolutely. Well, I really think my listeners ought to check this book out. The title is Full Throttle Leadership, Passion, Power, and Purpose on the Edge of America. It's written by Stephen G. Foster, CMP, and this is published by Fulton Books. It can be found everywhere, online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and also out there at traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Stephen, thank you again for joining me and telling me about all the hard work, all the wonderful things that you're doing. I hope we can speak again soon. I look forward to the opportunity, and thank you. Author Yelena Borachevska has an inspiring story to tell in her new book, She Let God Write Her Story. Yelena is sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Yelena, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Can you tell me what you wrote about in She Let God Write Her Story? My book is a story of a young girl who moved from Ukraine to the United States shortly after September 11. It's a story of how a girl's desire to please God and choose His will for her life put her through trials and challenges of life. Hmm. How did the idea to write this, what inspired you to write the book? It's a story based on my personal experiences. I moved to the United States when I was about 17. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or publishing? No, this is my very first published book. How long did this take you to write? Well, I had three major time periods of writing this book. First time was when I was on maternity leave with my daughter, Ashley. She's now eight years old. Five years later, in 2019, when I was going through a challenging time in my life, I saw it as a God-given opportunity to take time and write. Then the final writing was done during the first weeks of COVID shutdown. Yep, I didn't like that shutdown, but I thought it was another God-arranged opportunity for me to sit down and finish the writing, and I did. Hmm. Yelena, what kinds of readers were you writing to? Who do you think would get the most out of your book? 
Well, I think it's for anybody you know, starting with teenagers and older and um, anyone who's interested in the story of a young girl who moved from the Ukraine. And after all that time writing the book and having lived your life for the story, what was it like when you got the first copy? You got to hold it in your hands and look at it. Well, it was mixed feelings of joy and sadness. It was uh, just two weeks after the war in Ukraine had started. Mm. What to you now is the most rewarding aspect of being a published author? I think the most rewarding aspect is being an inspiration to others so they can start writing or exercise their other talents. And what are the chances you'll be writing and publishing more in the future? I do plan to write children's books next. Hmm. My daughter inspired me by asking, Mommy, why did you and Daddy pick me a school where they never talk about God? Hmm. So I, I'm planning to write that. And I also have an outline for the second novel where I would continue to tell the story of the Lena girl. And when you write, do you generally use an outline or are you more of a free writer where you start with an idea and go with it? With this book, I started with an outline. I came up with chapter names and started writing from there. I'm sure you've learned an awful lot writing your first book and having it published. So, Yelena, what advice would you have to authors out there who are just starting out? I would just tell them to start writing, find a publishing company that they would want to work with, and don't hesitate to share their stories with others. Yelena, what do you do when things get tough? You sit down to write and maybe you get writer's block or maybe you can't think of what you want to write about next. How do you get through those things? Well, I um, talk to God and wait for his lead. And if it's writing, I start writing. Yelena, you mentioned how your daughter inspired you. Are there other people in your life who inspire and motivate you? Definitely the knowledge about God and um, other people who use their talents and share, share with others. Do you generally have a time or a place that you write every day, Elena, or do you sort of sit down and write as the inspiration hits you? It depends. Sometimes it's just when it hits me. And if I had a timeline, then I make a schedule every day. She Let God Write Her Story was written over a long period of time, like you said. So was journaling a big part of your life? Absolutely. I have seasons where I journal more, and there are times when I reflect on those. Right now, is my book is quite a bit of reflection on testimonies that came out from my faith. Well, I know this is a story that a lot of people are going to want to hear. The title of the book is She Let God Write Her Story. This is written by Yelena Borachevska, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you here tonight, Yelena. Thank you again for joining me here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be sitting down with author Sammy Anson Pierce right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sammy, thanks for being here with me tonight. Yeah, you're most welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. It's really great to have you here. I just wanted to say congratulations for having a new book out in stores. It's titled Black Sheep Ace, Flying Sergeant Sammy Alpheus Pierce. Can you tell me about it? The subject is actually my father. Hmm. I decided to write this book because he actually had a very interesting story. He was a young enlisted man, only about 19 years old when he first tried to get into pilot training. But at that time, he had to be 21 and had to have completed three semesters of college to become an officer. And of course, he was a couple of years underage, and he would apply to pilot training periodically. He thought that if he was obnoxious enough, that they would let him in. 
So he happened to be a crew chief in Randolph when he found out that the Army Air Force was going to start allowing enlisted men to attend pilot training. Hmm. This was just before Pearl Harbor, but I assume that the Army Air Force realized they didn't have enough pilots. Hmm. And it was a matter of time before we ended up in World War II. And while he was waiting to hear back on his application, he was transferred to Enid, Oklahoma. And when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, he was having lunch with the sheriff of Enid. (laughs) Very shortly after that, just a few weeks, he found out he was accepted to pilot training. He started as a private first class. But when he graduated, you were promoted to flying sergeant, which at the time was equivalent of a a staff sergeant rank. Hmm. He was lucky enough to get fighters. They could go to bombers, cargo aircraft, or fighters. When he finished uh, fighter training, he was sent to the Pacific Theater, the Southwest Pacific, and was shipped out to Australia. And when he finally arrived in Australia with seven other flying sergeants who had finished fighter training with him, the 49th Fighter Group was in New Guinea at the time, and that's the fighter group that all seven of those flying sergeants were sent to. He was sent to New Guinea to fly P-40s, and he had a tour in P-40s. He ended up shooting down three confirmed Japanese aircraft while he was in New Guinea. Wow. At one point, he was in a four-ship that was on the north side of New Guinea, and they were trying to protect a, a naval convoy. And when it was time for them to return to base, a squall line had formed over the Owen Stanley Mountains, and they couldn't get home. They couldn't get through the thunderstorms. So they knew they were going to run out of gas, and they were trying to figure out what to do. And the Australian Army had created a beachhead called Scarlet Beach, and they tried to find it, but the weather moved down over the coast, down over the beaches, and three of the four bailed out. And the fourth man actually spotted Scarlet Beach through a sucker hole, and he was able to dive down and crash land on the beach. My dad landed one quarter mile from the Japanese Army Division headquarters. So it took him five days to get from where he landed down to the Australian beachhead. But he had severely damaged his left shoulder when he bailed out. It was torn out of socket and all the ligaments were torn. He couldn't lift his left arm. My gosh. He was sent to Australia for surgery. And then they made him go back to the States for rehab. And while he was in rehab, he flew P-51 Mustangs as a test pilot and then as an instructor pilot. And when MacArthur was getting ready to invade the Philippines, he was recalled to the Pacific. And then he flew P-38 through the rest of the war, through the Philippines, Okinawa, finally at Suki, Japan after the surrender. In P-38, he achieved four more confirmed kills. So he was an ace at the end of the war with seven confirmed kills, five probables. And he had progressed in rank from the flying sergeant up to he was a captain and operations officer of the squadron at the end of the war. I really think a lot of people are going to enjoy this fantastic story of your father, Sammy. It's titled Black Sheep Ace, Flying Sergeant Sammy Alpheus Pierce. It's written by Sammy Anson Pierce, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere, online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sammy, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me all about your extraordinary father. I hope we can talk again. I would like that.
Like I said, I really enjoyed writing the book, and I enjoyed telling people about my father. He had quite a legacy. The Sacrifice. It's a new novel out in stores right now. It's written by Anthony M. Corelli, and Anthony is right here with me now to talk about it. Anthony, thank you for joining me here tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Well, it's great to be talking with you. Can you tell me what The Sacrifice is all about? Well, The Sacrifice is about kind of a crazy out-of-the-box minister who's called to help out a family struggling with demonic attack, all while living in the neighborhood where there's an active serial killer on the loose. So it's kind of an interesting story, let's put it that way. Sure sounds like it. How'd you get the idea to combine these two ideas? You know, Corey, I've been a fan of the kind of crime novel, detective novel type books for a long time. And working in ministry and deliverance ministry for a lot of years of my life, I kind of just use some personal experiences as well as just focusing on trying to help people who struggle with spiritual issues. Are there certain readers, Anthony, that you think would really be into the sacrifice? You know, I've asked that question a lot, Corey. I think this book is for a lot of people. Definitely in the world today, there's a lot of people into the paranormal. So I think a lot of people would like that aspect of the book, but also people who love crime novels, detective novels, thrillers. But, you know, I think it also reaches out to people who are into the spiritual side of things and are looking for hope in the midst of struggles. When it comes to writing, is this your first book or first time you've been published? Actually, it's not. The Sacrifice is actually the second book in the series, Hmm. the Struggle series. And so there's two more on the way. But the Struggle was released a few years ago, and it just took me a while to put the Sacrifice together. Yeah, I was going to ask you if the Sacrifice, if that was a long process to write and publish, especially now that you're experienced. Is it smoothing out now? You know, it is smoothing out. The problem is, of course, is that the novel, The Sacrifice, was probably written initially maybe in about six days, believe it or not. Oh, wow. But the uh, finalization of a book can take a long time editing and just kind of getting it the way you want it to. When you do the first book, to me, I was kind of reckless. But the second book, I want to just be a little more thorough and a little more thoughtful. So it took a while. Hmm. Of everything that you've learned along the way now, Anthony, what's your best piece of advice that you could give to authors who are just starting out? You know, I would just say, put it on paper or put it on your computer. Just write. Don't think about editing. Don't think about the process. Just put it all on paper because you're going to read that book a hundred times before it's done. Mm. So there's plenty of time to make the changes. Just get it out of you. Let it flow. And then the rest will kind of fall into place. Like you said, Anthony, a lot of time and hard work goes into writing and publishing a book. What was it like for you whenever you finally got that first copy? You got to hold it in your hands. What's that moment like for you? You know, I think it's an enormous sense of accomplishment because you know just how much you put into it. And it's kind of a thrill a little bit to know that people can now purchase it and read it because you don't just write these things for yourself. You write them hoping that somebody will get something from them. So when you're holding it in your hand, what was very abstract becomes very tangible. And now you can get it out there to the readers. You said there are two more books now in this series that you're working on. Have you ever considered maybe venturing outside, writing maybe nonfiction, maybe another kind of book? You know, I have a couple of books on my laptop that are moderately finished that are not in the fiction category. And I think probably after this project of the Struggle series, I think I'm going to move to that genre just to kind of venture out a little bit, like you said, and reach out to a different audience. Hmm. Anthony, when you write, do you have a certain routine for it, like a time and a place that you like to write every day, or do you just find yourself writing as the ideas come to you? I kind of work in an odd sort of way. I um, put a lot of ideas on paper, sticky notes everywhere, 
But then I, I find at least a couple hours a day to just sit and write when I can. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of merge those ideas together. A lot of those sticky notes ends up in the trash, but some of them actually become ideas that go into the book. And then as far as the sacrifice goes, I kind of used a blueprint, the same one that I used with The Struggle and the same one I used with the next two books, which, by the way, are called The Return and The Cabal. And I just used 16 chapters. And I use the same blueprint for each book because it helps me put the story together in a way that I can wrap it up concisely because I want the book to be very readable, very easy to read, and very uh, entertaining without making it too long, if that makes sense. I think a lot of people are really going to be into this book. It's called The Sacrifice. It's written by Anthony M. Corelli, and it's published by Covenant Books. Get this online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Anthony, thanks again for coming on the show, talking with me about the sacrifice and everything you're writing. Very exciting. I hope we can do this again. And thanks again for having me, Corey. I appreciate what you do. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Paul Richmond. Paul, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you, Corey. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. That's a pleasure having you here. You got a new book out in stores right now called Flow of Soul Poetry. Can you tell me about it? As far as I'm concerned, Flow of Soul Poetry is a ministry, not just a book. Hmm. My poetry ministry pretty much was conceived and helps prevent veteran suicides. That's one of the main goals, as well as growing discouragement, you know, stemming from fear and isolation within nursing homes, of which my dad was in there and died uh, two years ago from COVID in one. Oh, I'm sorry. Washing of emotional turmoil for those in addiction recovery by providing godly inspiration. Um, again, I've done recitals for the past few years until COVID hit every week at a addiction recovery program, every week for an hour at the nursing home and at, at my PTSD group. It's been a wonderful thing to have a ministry that God's blessed me with to channel my inner energy and help people who need to be in a better place emotionally. I like to say that my poetry washes you. Mm. Quick data point on that. Someone came up to me Christmas time at church of uh, 2019 and told me it saved their 40-year-old son's life. He was suicidal. She told him to read some of my poetry. He did, and he didn't take his life. And another guy who's not a veteran up in Canada messaged me that he was suicidal because I, I have a little ministry. I, I reach out to people like that since I've been through it myself. And he also told me that it prevented him from taking his life. And it's just when you get that kind of a response from people, it just really uh, tells you that what you're doing is really worthy and, and a good thing. Well, I'm curious now, Paul, could you read us any of your poetry? Give us an example of what we're in for. Absolutely. I've got two short ones that I'll be more than happy to share with you that really, I think, give you a feel for my poetic expression, or as I call it, my flow of soul. The first one is called The Fall and the Rise. I wrote this one in 2016, although I've been writing them since 1988, and it's just been a long journey to get to this point where I finally got it published in February of this year, 2022. So this one's called The Fall and the Rise. And it's based on the fall, autumn, and then the rise spiritually. It goes like this. Richly colored leaves start swirling, collide with twigs, continue hurling, spiraling down, twisting, twirling, touch down softly, edges curling. My spirit's in flight from temptation's hold, plows into prayer and his words so bold. Then I spiral upward. To places foretold and touch down gently, 
on streets of gold. The second one I wrote in 2018, this one is called The Bow After the Rain, and it pretty much is about the rainbow that comes after a thunderstorm. And it's in the order of the colors of the rainbow, you know, the old Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet. So here we go. Across a colorful pasture I sped, along that curved sea of bright red, onto slices of orange I go, surfing waves of citrus flow. The soft clay with zesty yellow tints welcomed my lemony large footprints. Then gently upon jade did I trod as I journeyed onward towards our God. Blue seas wrapped me tight as a robe as I swam on through the sapphire grove. Then the next shade presented and I laughed as I danced upon the indigo grass. The seas and grass merged onto the plains and dabbed them vividly with deep violet stains. Thus the bow rained its colors so deep and vast, trailing the storms of thunder that passed. Uh, there you go. Beautiful stuff, Paul. Appreciate that, Corey. Comes from a deep place. If you like the sound of those powerful words that Paul read, then you're going to want to get this book. It's titled Flow of Soul Poetry. It's written by Paul Richmond, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. It's been great having you on the show here today, Paul. Thank you so much for telling me about Flow of Soul Poetry and everything you're working to do. We really appreciate your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. I hope so too, Corey. Um, to all your listeners out there, thank you for your support. This ministry is uh, literally saving lives and helping people to get to a better place emotionally, and it's just great to have a pick-me-up when you need it. Thank you very much. God bless you and God bless America. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.